Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 63 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm your host Deepa, functional nutritionist and author. Dr. N. Ramakrishnan is a healthcare entrepreneur who is American both certified in medical management from the University of Southern California. He's currently the director of critical care services at Apollo Hospitals Chennai and a senior consultant in critical care and sleep medicine. He was the first both certified sleep specialist to practice in India and established Nitra Institute of Sleep Sciences in 2004. So it's a pleasure to have him on the show today. He is also invited to meet the then Honorable President of India, Dr. E.P.J. Abdul Kalam, who appreciated his contribution in the field of critical care and sleep medicine. What are some of the common sleep problems that sleep specialists encounter and why are these problems on the rise? What are the root causes? So we go deep into different kinds of sleep challenges. You really want to take a listen from start to finish to understand the differences that lie from person to person so that you can actually understand how to help yourself restore the balance based on your specific root causes. If you are a woman, check out episode number 62 of the Guided Sleep Meditation in case you missed it. I curated it especially for women. This sacred feminine meditation is a curated meditation for you to reconnect with your prana flow for deeper relaxation, greater creativity and inner balance. Play it every night to help you relax deeply. Personally, I also play them in the afternoon for a break which gives me greater clarity for the rest of my day and great sleep every night. If you love the meditations, I would so appreciate you taking a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so more people can enjoy these unique and specially curated pieces by me, the Sleep Whisperer, and by my husband, Himalayan Yogi. Now take a listen to episode number 63 with Dr. N. Ramakrishnan on specific sleep challenges. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm your host, Deepa. Join me and my many expert guests and medical professionals from the cutting-edge science of functional medicine of the West and ancient wisdom of the East. Learn all about how to discover your root causes of poor sleep and understand the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Dr. Ramakrishnan, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. It's really an honor to have you here today since you're such a pioneer in the world of sleep. And I, I would like us to talk a lot about common sleep challenges because you've had so many, I think, almost two decades of experience in this world. And the transition from 
critical care to sleep medicine itself is very fascinating because they've got these polar extremes. So I would love for us to get started to just listening to how did that transition come about and also why sleep medicine two decades ago because it really did not have the importance that it has today because today there's a lot of attention on sleep and way back then I don't think even I had an inclination of how important sleep was or if my sleep had good quality or any of it. So that's really very fascinating. Maybe you could get started by just telling us about your journey. Thank you for asking and starting with that. It's a real pleasure to a critical care fellowship in the US when I was in Pittsburgh. I realized one thing, you know, when patients are critically ill, number one, a lot of them in the ICU do not sleep well at all. Mm. Um, maybe related to the noise, maybe related to the light, you know, maybe related to what they're going through from a health standpoint. But another important aspect is that it is not just them, but the entire family becomes sleepless because they're extremely anxious, worried mm. about what the patient is going through. So I realized that there is a strong link on uh, sleep in the ICU. Now, as I was doing my critical care further, another thing that I noticed was that there are a lot of people with sleep problems whom they never thought was a problem. You know, I recall seeing some patients who have seen 10 different specialists for different problems and they probably had a sleep disorder that was a common link that was never even thought about by any of the specialists, nor was it addressed mm -hmm. earlier. And I was wondering whether that was leading to this problem for which they are now admitted to the ICU. So sleep problems can lead to problems in which requires hospitalization and ICU management. And patients and families in the ICU were having several kind of sleep problems. And that's what really got me interested saying, uh, you know, I should pursue a formal training and manage people with sleep problems. And I'm glad you started with this question because when I came back to India, even my own family members were asking me, you know, like, why have you come uh. up with a specialty like sleep medicine? You know, you should have done something <laughs> like cardiology or surgery, which is much more open and known to people. Uh, whereas here you have to really, you know, fight a battle to establish a field. And that was a challenge and it remains a challenge. But I think, you know, like I, at the end of the day, you feel like you've done something good and something different. That's wonderful, doctor. And when you spoke about that, my mind instantly went to just last week, there was a friend of mine who was hospitalized uh, for three weeks with COVID. And then she said that ever since she was discharged from the hospital, while she's perfectly fine in terms of the coronavirus, she said it's completely messed up my sleep after being in the hospital and the lighting all through the night. And it's exactly what you spoke about. And in fact, I was looking to speak about this exact thing that she asked me as to how do I restore the balance after this has happened. So I think it would be great if we can also speak about that in the context of today's pandemic, because there is a lot of hospitalization. There is a lot of disruption in the rhythm because they don't know is it day or night when they're inside these 
brightly lit room so we could probably come at some point to speaking about how would someone post covid be able to restore the balance but before that i would love to get started and it's so interesting that you said your family didn't understand because i can so picture somebody saying that and uh, there is so much emphasis given but sleep is so so important that you rightly said that bidirectional axis which you discovered it was not just the patients who ended up with sleep issues but you so rightly said that you realized that people with sleep challenges could be developing severe health issues as a result of ignoring those very sleep challenges so could we just start with talking about from the time you started practicing sleep medicine what were the common sleep challenges that came to you could you classify them in a way that we can actually understand sure so um i must start with saying when i came back you know in a way my family was right you know like uh, originally i when i started the clinic uh, a dedicated sleep clinic i used to see you know less than two or three patients a week you know today things have changed where people are upset when they have to wait for an appointment you know which is good but i'm still talking about the tip of the iceberg there is so much more and it is not just one sleep specialist we need several more so i i still think there is a large number of people who don't even recognize that they have a sleep problem now as a sleep specialist we encounter different Uh, kind of uh, sleep problems that people present with i would say one of the most common one is insomnia at or lack of sleep um, and this could be either a lack of quantity of sleep you know they may not get enough sleep or it may be a poor quality of sleep there are people who say you know i think i'm sleeping but i don't feel fresh it's not a mm. good sleep that i'm having it's mm. a very light sleep i'm easily disturbed so the number one leading a problem that we would see if i could classify it i would say is insomnia number 2 is people with what we call sleep disordered breathing often you know i think if i mention the term sleep apnea people would recognize it much more now again it's taken us a lot of time to make people understand that this is a problem because uh, when someone doesn't sleep for a period of time at some stage they would seek medical attention they would either call a doctor you know like meet a specialist something like that would happen or at least they would mention it to the doctor who takes care of their blood pressure or diabetes and whatever the ones who never even perceive it as a problem are the ones who actually sleep a lot you know they are sleepy all through the day you know they're sitting and sleeping in front of a tv while reading a newspaper or while you know like even while driving there are people who have accidents relating to yes. the fact that they are sleepy while driving they are sleepy while at work so this uh, excessive sleepiness one of the most common reasons is snoring and obstructive sleep apnea there are also other conditions that can lead to excessive sleepiness like narcolepsy which are much rarer but i wanted to emphasize the fact that not sleeping is not the only problem too much of sleep could mm. equally be a problem that needs to be addressed early the third group of people whom we see 
are the ones with a circadian rhythm problem. Their internal rhythm and the external rhythm don't match. Mm. For example, the ones who are working shift works, you know, now that's an extremely common uh, thing after we have seen the business process outsourcing, IT professionals working hours to match the work hours in the UK or in the US. And therefore they are working odd times here and struggle to sleep during the daytime when in fact the rest of the world is alert and active and at work. So shift work sleep disorders and other kind of circadian rhythm disturbances like a jet lag, you know, uh, today's global world, of course, right now we are not traveling because of the pandemic, but in general, you know, there's a lot of global travel, uh, traveling across time zones, which can certainly lead to um, jet lag. There are uh, people who sleep late, wake up late, typically uh, the youngsters, the adolescents who sleep like at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. and wake up, you know, at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. They sleep adequate number of hours, but just their rhythm is completely shifted late. And in contrast to this are the elderly who start sleeping very early, like 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. and wake up around 1 or 2 a.m. and wouldn't know what to do. This is a group of people that sleeps enough hours, but their rhythm doesn't match the rest of the world. Uh, another common problem that we encounter is people who go to bed on time, wake up on time, but wake up several times in between, what we call a fragmented sleep pattern. They don't uh, sleep continuously. They either wake up and go to the bathroom or you know, like they have some reason why they keep waking up. So this is a fragmented pattern that we can see. Uh, there are conditions like what we call restless leg syndrome and other problems that could lead to that. Last but not the least um, is parasomnias, where we observe something abnormal that happens during sleep. And this could be, you know, sleep talking, sleep walking, sleep eating. There are people who just scream during sleep. Um, so different kind of abnormal activities that happen during sleep. Uh, which are called parasomnias and need to be evaluated and treated. So in summary, I would say number one is lack of sleep. Number two is excessive sleep for whatever reason. Number three is a rhythm change or a circadian rhythm disturbance. Number four is a fragmented sleep pattern due to whatever reason. And number five would be uh, parasomnias, which is something abnormal during sleep. Excellent, doctor. And in fact, I do want to ask you a few questions related to circadian rhythm disorder because you spoke about people who are in shift working or who have unnatural rhythms because they are forced to be. And then, of course, you spoke about the adolescents who have this abnormal rhythm. But what are your thoughts on the recent uh, there's a whole book upon some people meant to be night owls and they're meant to go to bed at midnight and we all have different genetic sleep chronotypes. Do you have any opinion on that? Absolutely. I mean, just like how some of us are tall, some of us are short, some of us are dark, some of us are fair skinned and all of us are normal. None of this is abnormal, right? Yes. So similarly, there are various types of sleep and, you know, there are people who are light sleepers who, you know, like even if somebody walks around them, they could potentially wake up 
there are people who are very deep sleepers whom you know literally you may need to pour a bucket of water before they wake up uh, both of whom are normal okay so similarly you know there are some people who sleep only about hours and they are perfectly fine with it when they wake up the next morning there are some who absolutely need 8 hours there are some who need less than 6 hours there are some who need more than 8 hours but on an average most adults would fall in the range of 6 to 8 hours but there's a tremendous amount of variation between the types of sleep that people have uh, how they perceive their sleep and some of them could be you know like a little change in their schedule would really make a huge difference and i could probably fit in in one of those patterns i am one of those people who uh, has to sleep by you know no later than 10:30 pm and whether i like it or not whether it is a sunday or a holiday i wake up at 5:30 am and you know do my things so we all develop a schedule and again we work around that which is why change of schedule can be a huge challenge mm. and could we go a little bit into how these five different categories that you listed out how would you approach each of those and are the root causes of all of them different and unique to that category and also would your uh, line of treatment for these five different categories be different is there some oh. way you can take us through that sure i mean each one is different so i will you know briefly address that and then i'm happy to take any more questions if you feel appropriate when it comes to insomnia or lack of sleep often it is difficult to pinpoint one reason why you know people don't sleep it might be what we call multifactorial it may be some thoughts in your mind relating to work or it could be happiness it could be you know like uh sadness any kind of emotion can impact sleep and if your mind is not calm as they say the sleep won't be as uh you know pleasant and comfortable as it should be so that is one of the most common reasons why people have trouble sleeping but there are some who clearly tell an event that triggered a lack of sleep uh you started with one of your own friends mentioning that after the covid Mm. you know whether it was an infection or the hospitalization he or she has had trouble um, sleeping so there are people who have like a trigger point from which they have trouble sleeping and if they don't address it early then they can develop you know what we call bed anxiety they go to bed thinking will i sleep mm. will i not sleep and then they have several other factors that may keep perpetuating the problem and make it even more worse so you know when somebody has trouble sleeping with no obvious reason um, or if there is something that is triggered but they are not able to come out of it it is better to seek attention early and take care of it often it involves a little bit of counseling making people understand that it is not abnormal uh, you know it can happen all of us have had days when we don't sleep well and you know as long as it is not sustained over a period of time it is something that's very very easy to address and they could come out of it we often uh, have challenges when it comes to the medications because unfortunately people would go to a pharmacy do self medication mm. you know like they would get a you know cough syrup or oh you know what my mother took this for sleep or mm. my uncle had this for sleep and i took that the problem is each one of us needs a different kind of a medication it's not like one size fits all it's just because your uncle 
took that tablet and it worked for him doesn't mean it should work for you. Medication should be used for what they are meant for and not for their side effects. For example, a cough syrup is meant for cough. Yes. And you know, it may make you drowsy, it may make you sleepy. That doesn't make it a sleep medication. So, yes. you know, people start using slash abusing these medications and sometimes start becoming dependent on them. And at that stage, they would come to us and say, oh, you know what, I've started yeah. doing this. Now I'm not able to come out of this medication. So they start developing medication dependence. They, you know, continue to do this self-medication. They develop a lot of bed anxiety and, you know, getting them out of that becomes a bigger challenge at that stage. So if they have a problem, it is better to address it early. So it's a combination of counseling, explaining to people, using medications under the direction of the physician and tapering and stopping it is what I would recommend when it comes to insomnia. When it comes to uh, excessive sleepiness related to snoring and obstructive sleep apnea, the mechanism of people feeling sleepy with this problem is that you know when they are snoring, it's actually the air is not moving freely through their upper air passage into the lungs. And therefore, their breathing is getting affected. So they start slowing down breathing. Sometimes they may even stop breathing. Stopping breathing is called apnea. Since it happens during sleep, we call this problem as sleep apnea. Um, and because it is due to some kind of an obstruction, we call it obstructive sleep apnea or OSA. So what happens when the breathing slows down is the oxygen level starts coming down. And when the body is not getting enough oxygen, the brain is not getting enough oxygen, the next morning when they wake up, they don't feel fresh. People describe it differently. They say, you know, I sleep for seven or eight hours, but I wake up not feeling fresh. In fact, right after that, when I'm sitting with my coffee and newspaper, I feel like dozing off again. Mm. They wake up with a headache. They often complain of dryness of the mouth because of the snoring. They feel very sleepy, tired, fatigued, irritable. You know, some people say they are depressed. And any light moment when they don't have to focus, they start dozing off. Then when it becomes more severe, even when they have to concentrate, like when they are, you know, driving or operating a machine or at work, they might doze off. And so this excessive sleepiness relating to sleep apnea needs to be evaluated. We do what is called a sleep study or a polysomnogram to identify one, if they have the problem and number two, how severe the problem is. And unlike uh, insomnia, here there are no medications to treat. As mm. of now, you know, medicine keeps changing and something might come up in the future. But as of today, the way we treat this problem is, of course, address any underlying risk factor, like people who are obese, you know, we help them to lose weight. Uh, people who are consuming a lot of alcohol, you know, try to cut down on those. These are some of the risk factors in addition to other medical problems like thyroid problems, BP, sugar and all that, which we keep under control. But in addition to that, we may have to use some kind of an appliance to treat them. And by appliance, I mean, there are something called oral appliances which the dentist can create if the problem is mild. There is an equipment called CPAP, which stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. It looks like an oxygen mask. It's a tight-fitting mask that delivers pressure. And by keeping the pressure there, it keeps the pipe open. And therefore, the breathing mm. gets better regulated and the oxygen level is normal. And this is something that they have to use at night. There are some surgical options uh, if required. Again, a lot of 
what is the right depend, uh, treatment depends on the individual. We yes. have to individualize the treatment and we recommend to them appropriately. Uh, so that is how we treat obstructive sleep apnea. With um, rhythm disturbances, circadian rhythm disturbances, the reason this happens is uh, the way our internal clock and outer uh, external clock kind of sync, uh, the main stimulus is actually light and darkness. So when our body gets exposed to light in the morning, you know, our uh, vitamin, our body synthesizes vitamin D. And as we go into the night, as we get exposed to darkness, the melatonin level in our body begins to increase. And in the morning, when we exposed to sunlight, melatonin level drops. So there is a certain cycle that regulates these hormones, not just the melatonin, several of the other internal hormones are regulated, uh, both from a circadian standpoint and uh, you know, depending on when we sleep. So the hormones can be secreted depending on when we sleep or based on our rhythm. Now, if people are having rhythm disturbances, as I said, the common ones are elderly people sleeping late, waking up late, we call that as advanced sleep phase syndrome. Adolescents often sleeping late, waking up late. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if I made a mistake earlier. Yes. Uh, elderly speak early, early and wake up. Yeah, and wake yes. up early. And it's called advanced sleep phase syndrome. Uh, the adolescents sleep late and wake up late. And that is called a delayed uh, sleep phase uh, syndrome. These are usually treated with some, you know, like uh, bringing them the light and darkness exposure at the right time. We, you know, teach them when they should expose to sunlight, when they should expose to darkness, and try to see if that can slowly, you know, change their uh, uh, rhythm. And we sometimes use melatonin, which is the hormone that uh, I was telling you that is secreted naturally. It can help to regulate the cycle as well, in addition to the light therapy, what I was just discussing. Same is true for people with shift work. So, uh, you know, like those who are doing shift work, one of the main reasons why they have trouble sleeping in the daytime is there's a lot of light outside. Mm. So, you know, educating them on keeping the room dark and more importantly, educating them on when to eat what, depending on their, you know, work and sleep schedule is very, very important. Yes. To give you a quick, small example, these are people who come home in the morning and try to sleep. And when we sleep at night, we don't wake up and eat. Whereas because it is daytime, the family often wakes them up in the afternoon to mm. allow them to have what when others are eating lunch. We teach them, please don't do that. You know, like uh, somebody else's dinner is your breakfast. Somebody else's breakfast yes. is your dinner. So we kind of educate them on, you know, the appropriateness of eating, when to do, you know, light exposure, darkness. And most people would uh, feel better when we do all of this. Of course, there are some who absolutely cannot adjust to um, uh, shift work. And very, very rarely I've had to say that, you know, if it doesn't work for you, you know, get a different job if these people will not change your shift. But that's extremely rare. Most people can cope with, you know, some of these uh, as we tell them how to change their lifestyle, uh, particularly eating and sleeping. That's a beautiful one, point uh, you said, doctor, about because I've never heard anyone talking about this. I know that that and that's particularly common, I think, in India, where 
the need to care for somebody means you wake them up and feed them and that's the cultural aspect is quite so i think that's uh, i mean it's simple things but i haven't actually heard anyone talking about this so it's i really appreciate you sharing that with uh, us thank you um, in, in fact, the other common thing when you mentioned about cultural issues is the cell phone. You know, like I always tell people, yes. if you have to sleep in the afternoon, please do not keep your cell phone yes. next to you because yes. the whole world is awake and ready to call you. Yes. They don't know that you have you are here struggling to sleep sometimes. Yes. So you know, please keep it away. And you know, some either if you want an alarm to wake up. Use one of those good old alarms rather than yes, using your yes. phone as your um, yes. you know alarm. So these are little things. I didn't want to go into everything considering our uh, you know our time, but certainly you know modifying certain behaviors makes a huge impact on how they could sleep. Um, you know relating to their shift work. The fourth condition we were talking about was the fragmented sleep yes, pattern. Yes. Yeah. So the in fragmented sleep pattern, it's often related to some underlying medical problem. One of the common conditions is something called restless leg syndrome, where people, you know, like feel something is creepy or crawling, mm. or they feel like getting up and walking. Very common in women, particularly during pregnancy, common in people who are anemic, you know, if they are iron deficient, very common people with uh, diabetes, people with kidney problems, people with any kind of pain syndromes, you know, like if they have back pain, you know, the joint pain, these are the people who can develop restless leg, which keeps them awake. You know, they just feel like they can't sleep continuously. They keep waking up. So in addition to it, if any of their underlying medical problems is not adequately controlled, you know, like for example, if the diabetes is poorly controlled, very likely they'll wake up several times in the night to urinate. Okay? If uh, men have prostate problems, mm. you know, they could wake up at night to you know, go to their bathrooms. So a lot of the times the fragmented sleep pattern is related to an underlying medical problem or something like restless leg syndrome. And all of these are very treatable by one, addressing the underlying issue and you know, treating these uh, problems with medication. So it's something that we do. Lastly, the parasomnias, I was telling you abnormal behaviors during sleep. Um, people get scared, you know, I mean, uh, there are children who you know, have what we call night terrors. You know, they wake mm. up, scream, you know, they are sweating, you can't console them. And then you, they suddenly go back to sleep. They don't recall a thing. Mm. You know? It's the parents who get very anxious and you know, a lot of children go through these sleep terrors. It just requires reassurance because they often grow out of it. But if it's very frequent or if they are having, you know, like uh, incontinence, if they are voiding urine at that time without their knowledge or, you know, like if there are other movements of the body, then we do test to find out is this a seizure that's happening at night. So, you know, yes. while often it is requiring reassurance, it may be an underlying medical problem that we need to evaluate and treat. So, uh, people uh, are found, you know, like walking, talking. Trust me, there are people who are sleep eating. You know, they can go and eat and come back and sleep, not even knowing that they've actually had something to wow. eat. And, mm. and, it is, and it is all during sleep. They're not faking it. It is sleep, you know, if there is a sleep study that is being done, 
you can find out that they actually are sleeping at that time. Mm -hmm. That is quite rare, but sleepwalking and sleep talking are all very, very common. If it happens very rarely, and another common thing is what we call bruxism, you know, people uh, grinding their teeth. At yes, I've heard a lot of people talking about this. So yeah. what's actually happening with that? See, bruxism is also one kind of parasomnia uh, where they're just literally grinding their teeth to the extent, you know, like their enamel gets eroded. You know, yes. like if they, they go to the dentist, they find that there is enamel erosion. Now, um, the reasons that this happens, the common ones are any kind of anxiety. You know, mm. if they are generally anxious about something, it's very common. When they are sleep deprived, you know, they could be having more of any of the parasomnia, not just the sleep, uh, not just abruxism, it's something we look at. In children, there have been some people who believe that it may be related to, you know, worms and deworming could help and all that. But certainly, we try to find out if there's anything else underlying medically, like anemia or a worm infestation or something. But often it is related to anxiety. And uh, we sometimes have to refer them to a dentist to even uh, wear a, what is called a tooth guard, you know, like uh, they wear it at night so that the enamel doesn't get eroded. Mm. Um, and we may have to treat their anxiety with whatever it takes. And uh, when I say treatment of anxiety, it doesn't always have to be medication. There are, yes. you know, like psychological therapies like cog cognitive behavioral therapy yes. and several other psychological counseling that can be done to help them. Beautiful doctor. In fact, you've made it so clear for us with the five categories and really taken us and what I really appreciated was your mentioning the medication at times and how people do self-medicate sleeping pills some at times because someone has referred it and I think this is all the more rampant in India because it's so easily available without prescription so you see people taking it for 10 years and recently I had someone who was struggling to sleep and a friend told him that you just have to take a sleeping pill and down it with a glass of alcohol and I've done it for the last 10 years and I'm totally fine so there's so much talk like this going on that even the people who are trying to resolve sleep challenges the right way, seeing the right practitioner still get confused because they're exposed to remarks like this, which can be so detrimental. And you mentioned sleep apnea, uh, obesity being a possible reason for sleep apnea. And recently, my husband shared a study with me which just mentioned that a lady lost tons of weight because her sleep apnea was addressed. And actually sleep apnea itself can be the trigger for why they're getting obese because of probably lack of adequate oxygen. So there's so many interesting areas. And I think I would love to have you on another conversation next year talking about men and sleep issues because you mentioned the prostate and I think that can be a whole category in itself. Uh, is there a way that why do you feel that sleep challenges have you noticed since the time you started practicing to now have sleep challenges become uh, more common and is there a reason for that? 
Sure. Before I address that, I must tell you, you said that you would love to have me to talk on sleep challenges in men. Sleep challenges in women is an even bigger yes. one. Yes, <laughs> you know, like, yes. And we could talk for hours <laughs> yes. together on that. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, when you were talking about, you know, has have things changed in the last, you know, like in India, I've been practicing for well over 18 years now in mm. sleep medicine. And prior to that in the US for another five to six years. So I can tell you that definitely the awareness has improved, uh, but not enough, you know, mm. like, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of free and wrong advice is still available. Uh, and, you know, like, uh, there is a wealth of information available in media, you know, like whether it is print media, electronic media, there's so much that's available. Unfortunately, you know, some know to filter it and take the right ones and ignore the wrong ones. Some get extremely yes. anxious, some follow the wrong ones. And, you know, like, uh, I don't know how we as a, you know, like, as a society, how we can get over that. I have no idea. But certainly, I think uh, people should understand that it's good to get information, um, understand it. But when in doubt, you know, when you think you have a problem, definitely do not treat it yourself and do not get the advice of non-medical people to treat that. And that's the reason that, you know, like I feel people are uh, taking medications, you know, try something else, try something else. And by the time they come to us, they have developed tolerance to several medications because they've already tried it. They've mm. explored different options and it becomes a bigger challenge, challenge. to actually treat them. Um, and uh, me as an allopathic physician, you know, like I also must be the first one to admit that I do not know about other uh, options of medical therapies, whether it is Ayurvedic or whether it is homeopathic or, you know, Siddha or any of the alternative therapies. And I have no criticism against any of them. But I tell people that the main thing that helps in a doctor-patient relationship is trust. Yes. You need to understand that if you trust a system and a doctor or a specialist, please follow their advice. And you know, like for you to come and tell me, I've tried this, 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 I've tried several alternative therapies, can I continue that and this? I feel it is incorrect on my part to allow you to continue that and my treatment only because if it is a success, I don't know what succeeded. If it's a failure, I don't know which one failed. I and I agree. always say, follow one system. Yes. Um, of course, you know, like if it is not something consuming internally, like I'm the first one to advise, you know, regular exercise schedule, doing yoga, doing breathing exercises with yoga. Definitely. I mean, there is also some evidence in allopathic literature on some of this. Uh, so I always suggest to them that so I'm not against any system. But I always feel that people should have the trust and understand and clearly avoid wrong advice and suggestions. Beautifully put, Doctor. Especially you do see a lot of people and even Ayurveda, if someone were to go, I would say that please don't just buy medication by yourself. Yeah. Do see somebody who's at least qualified to be giving you that information. And rightly put that don't combine several approaches because really you'll be you won't have any idea what is harming, what is helping the, the interactions between all of that will just be too complicated for anybody to be able 
to understand. Uh, I know that we are almost out of time. I want to respect your time and you've already shared a lot of information. So do you have anything final to share in terms of if someone was just struggling with general sleep challenges and they don't know which category they are part of in terms of the categories you divided up for us, where would they have to begin? I think the first thing is people should understand or realize that they have a problem. You know, like uh, that is the most important thing. Categorizing and all that, I think we should leave it to the doctors. Yes. I'm not even going to say specialist because while I would love to say see a sleep specialist, I can tell you that there aren't enough offers in our country. And so a lot of the times, you know, they are first seen by other doctors and then subsequently referred to us. It's not uncommon. Some people present directly to us as well. Um, so uh, definitely if in doubt, you know, if there is a concern, I mean, think about it this way. If somebody had chest pain for several days, would they just treat it themselves or would they just get an opinion from somebody yeah. else? No, because they're scared and they would go. But when they're not sleeping for several days or weeks or months or years, or if they're sleepy all the time and have had a motor vehicle accident related to that, they still don't seek attention because they don't perceive it as a problem. Mm. Sleep is taken for granted. You know, people think that, you know, like, so what if I don't sleep? Or so what if I'm not sleeping enough? Trust me, sleep is not just a period of rest. There are a lot of changes that happen in our system to make our day better. So a good night's sleep is essential for a good day. And therefore, I would strongly urge that if you have any kind of problems with sleep that are persisting, I'm not saying just for one night sleep, go to a one night sleep problem, go to a doctor, but if it's persistent, please seek attention sooner than later. A lot of these problems are treatable and you can prevent several other medical complications. I tell people, you know, the World Health Organization has been focusing a lot on non-communicable diseases that are leading to death. And that includes obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, stroke, high cholesterol. And guess what? Sleep problems are not listed in that, but they're probably much more common than mm. all of these problems. And it can lead to all of these problems. So sleep problems are important to be diagnosed early and treated. And I, that would be the message that I would get across to your audience. Thank you, doctor. And uh, we have a mantra on our show. So I'd like you to complete our mantra for us, which is if sleep is the new medicine, then how would you complete that sentence for us? This is the best medicine you can have and use it well. Thank you for your time, doctor. Where can people find you if they'd like to connect with you, look at your work, maybe consult you? I have uh, started a comprehensive sleep center in 2004. It's called Nitra Institute of Sleep Sciences, N-I-T-H-R-A, Nitra Institute of Sleep Sciences. Our website is nitra.com, N-I-T-H-R-A.com, which outlines all the work we do and how you can reach. And we do consultations, uh, both online teleconsultation mm -hmm. and uh, in person. So we do get a lot of patients from out of Chennai, which is where uh, our center is located. So uh, people can reach us through the website, phone numbers that are listed there. And I'm happy to 
help the world sleep better if i may say so thank you doctor and for just for our listeners on a parting note that we will have dr ramkrishnan back to talk about women's women's health sleep and men's health and sleep at future episodes thank you so much and thank you for having me today on your show Hey everyone I hope you enjoyed the show just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only this is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional this information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services if you are looking for personal help on your health journey do seek out a medical practitioner please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro It is important that you have someone who's qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health conditions.